Father, your love is the reason we are here. Our purpose in life is to be loved by you and to love you in return. And in loving you, loving each other, your body. Lord, we thank you that we've been able to come this morning here to this place together to worship you, to encourage each other in fellowship. And also to hear your word read and preached to us. And as we have your word read and preached, please prepare our hearts. We thank you for the songs that we've sung, for the creed that we've read together. Lord, it's all great preparation to come and hear your word. Lord, teach us something new. Encourage us and bless us and equip us to live for you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 to 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only, res- only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others or is it self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For you know in part, or we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in it part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, good morning, everyone. I remember how when I was in primary school, I wished that the Christmas holidays wouldn't come to an end, and it didn't really help me when someone said to me, all good things must come to an end. Holidays in my day seemed to stretch on and on, as, as if they wouldn't come to an end. But of course they did, as the back-to-school ads kept reminding us. But there's one thing that won't come to an end, and that is the subject of today's reading from Paul's letter to that Corinthian church. We read, love never ends, or love does not come to an end. There was a boxer called Muhammad Ali who once proudly declared, I am the greatest, be that as it may. Paul in today's reading, in effect, declares, love is the greatest. So faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And that being the case, 
Uh, let's think about this love that doesn't end and which is the greatest. From today's passage, we can focus on love's package, love's priority, love's portrait, love's permanence, and love's position. It's package, that is, what surrounds it. What surrounds this teaching on love or the context in which this teaching is given? Well, this teaching is on Christian love is sandwiched really between teaching on spiritual gifts in the body of Christ the church and teaching on prophecy and tongues. Spiritual gifts can build up, serve, strengthen fellow Christians. But what is vital is that they be exercised in love, and that's Paul's concern here. Reading between the lines of this letter, there was a lack of love, and there were unloving attitudes and actions in this Corinthian church. Seen in quarrelling, people aligning themselves with their favourite teacher leader, there was jealousy and strife among them, there were lawsuits with one another, and the Lord's Supper had been treated in a careless and unloving manner. And all this is the broader backdrop to this teaching on love in this part of the letter we're considering this morning. The Beatles once sang a song, didn't they? All you need is love, sweet love. Love is all you need. But what sort of love did they have in mind? In today's reading, we hear what sort of God love has in, what sort of love God has in mind for the Christian fellowship. Well, firstly, then, we notice its priority or importance. So how important is love? Some recipes have what we might call an essential ingredient, like curry, if you enjoy Indian food as I do. An essential ingredient is one you can't do without, and here we're told of certain things that can't do without love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, gifts of speech without love are really just a big noise or a jarring sound. A person may have the gift of the gab, so to speak, but if the person doesn't have love, then it's like that car with a stereo blasting boom, boom, boom. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. Prophetic powers, able to speak God's word and bring God's message and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, have complete insight in God's secrets and knowledge of God. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, well, that's great faith to do amazing things. So if I have all this, wow. But wait a second, there's a qualification here. But have not love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Not I do nothing, but am nothing. Who we are, what we are, is most important to God, not so much a person's gifting or understanding. And what really matters is whether I'm a loving person. Paul says elsewhere, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Reading on. If I give away all I have, possessions, 
or life itself could be done without love. And giving without love gains nothing. I gain nothing. I'm not a better person. And even the Christian martyr can't do without love. And so in these ways, the priority of love stands out. And here Paul personalises love's priority by the little word, I. If I speak but have not love, I am a noisy god. If I have prophetic powers, and if I have all faith but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have but have not love, I gain nothing. So brothers and sisters, let's hear this teaching with the I in mind rather than the you in mind. Let's now look at love's portrait as we find it here. Love is patient and kind. I appreciate someone being patient with me when I'm trying to learn something new or if I make a mistake or get it wrong. Showing patience when caring for someone in ill health or frailty is a loving thing to do. And I appreciate it when someone patiently listens to me share some burden or heartache with them. The Lord himself is patient with us all. Love is patient and kind. And the two often go together. A patient person will often speak and act kindly to others. Let's move on. Love is not jealous or boastful. Not jealous of others' giftings and talents and not boastful of one's own. Such reactions are unloving. Love is not arrogant or rude. Carey was one of the greatest missionaries. He translated the Bible into 34 Indian languages. He began life as a cobbler. Carey came to India and was treated with contempt by a snob at a dinner party who wanted to humiliate him. I suppose, Mr Carey, you once worked as a shoemaker. No, Your Lordship, not a shoemaker, only a cobbler. The really great person doesn't parade his or her importance. Love is not arrogant or rude. Arrogance and rudeness sometimes go together. A person puffed up with self-importance might belittle another. But a loving person isn't arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. There's an expression, isn't there, my way or the highway, and we've all heard Sinatra's song, I did it my way. But being intent on getting what you want regardless is unloving. Love is not irritable or resentful. Not resentful. That is not nursing anger or bearing grudges or keeping dossiers. Love does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. When a loving person hears something derogatory about another person, uh, he or she doesn't find pleasure in it and is not interested in hearing a spicy story to someone's discredit. Instead, a loving person is happy only in what is right and true. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And overall, this is a portrait of Jesus, isn't it? The love of God incarnated in Jesus. 
What about love's permanence and love's position? Let's briefly consider these two aspects of love. Love never ends. But other things will pass away or cease, and Paul mentions three here. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For our knowledge is imperfect and our prophecy is imperfect, but when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. Someone has put it like this. The purpose of a mercury vapour light is to illuminate the highway at night. When the sun rises, the highway becomes illuminated by a greater and more perfect light. The mercury vapour light then goes out because it has served its purpose. In a similar way, spiritual gifts, whether knowledge, prophecy or tongues, will cease to function when a state of perfect spiritual maturity is realised. Their light will no longer be required then. And one day the perfect will come, like a child maturing into adulthood. And one day we will mature into the likeness of Jesus. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. <clears throat> in Corinth, polished copper mirrors were used. For now we see in a mirror dimly. <clears throat> a bit like looking at someone sitting in your back seat of the car, looking through the rear vision mirror at that person. But when you get to where you're travelling, you can get out and see each other face to face. Now we don't see God clearly and know everything about him, but one day we will see face to face and we will understand fully as we have been fully understood. And love's position, what is that? So faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I'm told that in the Greek, the word abide is singular. These three belong together. As within the Trinity, the Father is supreme, so love stands up above the other two of faith and hope. Is it because love is the only one of the three that is the nature of God himself? The Bible doesn't say God is faith or hope, but it does say God is love. And is love the greatest because faith and hope are the means, but love is the end? Well, brothers and sisters, we've been considering this morning love, Christian love, God's love, in the fellowship, in the body of Christ. Its priority, its portrait, its permanence and its position. But how do we have this kind of love? A man who had been the superintendent of a city rescue mission for 40 years was asked why he had spent his life working with alcoholics and derelicts. And he said, all I'm doing is giving back to others a little of the love God has shown to me. Apparently, as a young man, he himself had been a drunkard who went into a mission for a bowl of chilli. And there he heard the preacher say that Christ could save sinners. And he stumbled forward to accept the Lord Jesus as his saviour. 
Though his brain was addled by drink, he said he felt a weight lifted from his shoulders and that day he became a changed person. A little later, seeking God's will for his life, he felt the Lord calling him to go and to seek to reach people who had been like he had been. The power of God's redeeming love enabled him to carry on his ministry for 40 years. Now, we may not personally relate to that story, but the principle is still the same as John tells us in his first letter. We love because he first loved us. How did God show how much he loved us? John puts it like this. By sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, John writes. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And John draws an application or deduction from this He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And so God is the source of this love. As Paul in his letter to the Romans says, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. And about this Holy Spirit, Jesus had said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit which those who believed in him were to receive. And so friends, God is the source of this love. His love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Let us then let it flow out. Out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Let me finish by hearing these words of the Apostle John. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Let's pray. Father, you have shown the greatness of your love in giving your son to take away our sins. Open our hearts to the riches of your grace and love, that we may continue to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in love, joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.